Hi, I'm Kim Vu. Welcome to Vietnam, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans, coming to you weekly from New Orleans. Xin chào quý vị. Đây là bài Việt Nam chương trình phát hành về cộng đồng Việt Nam ở New Orleans từ thành phố New Orleans mỗi tuần. Today on the show, we'll have a conversation with our guest, Kai Nguyen, the Business Development Counselor at Mary Queen of Vietnam, CDC, Community Development Corporation. Kai Nguyen works with aspiring entrepreneurs in the community to assist with their ventures, including financial planning and projections. He also works with the Viet Village Urban Farm Sustainable Aquaculture Park Project and its workforce development initiatives to create jobs for fisherfolk who have lost their jobs due to the BP oil spill. Kai graduated from Tulane University, earning his bachelor's degree in business management, concentrating on consumer behavior. While he was at Tulane, Kai received the Qatar Foundation in scholarship. Welcome, Kai, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on to talk about the business work you've been doing. I mm -hmm. know you've come to the, the predecessor show before, and I'm excited to hear to how the projects you've been working on have evolved. So yeah, we um, you mentioned our um, urban farming project. Mm -hmm. um, we had Dan Daniel Nguyen on the show. Yeah, so we we Thanks work on that. the same the same project. Um, so I've been with MQVN CDC since uh, 2011, and basically since that time, um, the whole issue with the oil spill affected a lot of our community members in New Orleans East, um, the Vietnamese community members. And so what we uh, decided to do was um, start a farmers cooperative mm -hmm. uh, to create jobs for the people that lost their jobs and uh and so just from uh just knowing that the vietnamese people here have experience in farming and they really have done it all their lives and from vietnam and to here and like people that have been fishing um they're familiar with um agriculture in general mm -hmm. and so we decided that's just like a really natural um you know project to take take on and um they they're actually really enthusiastic about it um uh, an urban farming project has been in the works f at mqv and cdc since right after katrina um so daniel talked a little bit about the actual aquaculture and mm -hmm. permaculture or not permaculture but i guess aquaculture uh -huh. and the technology of it and so are you handling kind of the business side and the co-op and, and how so does it work as a co-op so the co-op is consisting of uh, right now we have 12 uh, Vietnamese farmers mm -hmm. um, there I do right now I do most of the sales um, and uh, keeping relationships with the buyers the buyers right now are uh, about 15 restaurants in the city of New Orleans so sales of the, the produce, produce that the, gr uh, the growers uh, grow um, so the Vietnamese farmers so how the way that our cooperative works is that we have a group of these farmers who grow the produce, but they have language barriers, um, transportation barriers that um, they can't sell themselves, or they, they can just sell in the community, which some 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 of them already do at the Saturday morning, morning market, market. Uh, mm -hmm. judge them home, yeah. yeah. And so what we do is we help collectively market and sit and sell um, their produce and coordinate them um, to sell uh, according to what the market's asking for, um, so right now, yeah, like I said, we have about 15 uh, restaurants. We're trying to... Can you mention some Some of them are kind of big name restaurants? Yeah, I'd, right? I'd say, I mean, we we have really high quality produce, so uh, we kind of aim for the restaurants that can, that, you know, can emphasize, yeah, sure. emphasize the, whole, the quality, um, so yeah, and pay top dollar. So 
Some of our restaurants uh, are August. Most of the best uh-huh. restaurants, August, Dominica, Luke. Um, and do you ever get to engage in like a, a taste test at these restaurants? Yeah, I mean, sometimes <laughs> they're, they're just like, hey, look at what we're doing uh, or try this, uh, try that. Cool. The, you know, we... How did you initiate that relationship? Because you're talking about pretty prestigious mm-hmm. names and it's not a knock on their door yeah. kind of situation. So for the Besh restaurants, um, so John Besh, who's the uh, head executive chef for all these restaurants, uh, he has a pretty good relationship with uh, um, our community um, since right after Katrina. And uh, he actually tried to have a lot of our community members grow um, some herbs and sprouts for him. Hmm. Um, it, who initiated that relationship, I, and in in what context did he actually seek out rural people in in Nola East? I think he's always known about the community out here and um, of the maybe the morning market. Yeah, the yeah. market and and just like the life. You know, the, the farmer lifestyle here, or not the lifestyle, but the farmer tradition here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it surprised me. Who knows about that morning market? Yeah, a lot of a lot of people actually foodies, do. foodies yeah. totally know about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for our listening audience who's not from here, this thing is pretty much shut down by like seven forty-five yeah. in the morning. I actually had to. Uh, my mom used to have a clothing like stand out there, mm-hmm. and um, she would just. I would have to come up there really early in the morning. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I was really happy when she decided <laughs> to stop doing that. It's like five in the morning or something. Yeah, I mean, right? I think the last time I was out there that early was like ten years ago, or or even <laughs> longer still, than that. You still but, uh, get shakes thinking yeah. about it. But sometimes, you know, sometimes there, we have people here that are um, interested. They they didn't find out about us, or they find out about the Vietnamese people out here, and they know about the they find out about the market, and they. They want to take tours because you know it's you know it's all vietnamese basically unless and and uh you know if people want to come out there it's really hard it's kind of hard to come out there and know exactly what's going on if you don't have kind of like someone showing you around yeah Yeah, exactly so um but i think i've been out there in pretty recently uh it seems like it's uh there are fewer farmers out there but that much that just might be me coming at seven o'clock because i can't come in any, any earlier right, but yeah. right, right, right so everyone's like half the place <laughs> is shut down yeah so, <laughs> definitely an early morning yeah. thing so john besh um, and and that series of restaurants um, besh restaurants uh, a lot of the uh some of the newer res- restaurants in the um bywater area uh-huh. some uh uptown places so we have pretty much um uh, restaurants buying from us from all over the city. Uh, like I said, we these restaurants have been actually really helpful. I mean, I know you said earlier that you know relationship building is hard, but um, a lot of these chefs um, are really interested in buying local and be really interested in, in, in seeing what um, small farmers have because a lot of the times <clears throat> they can't find, uh, let's say, sh- fresh shiso or fresh lemon balm or fresh... Um, really really fresh basil or or, mm-hmm. or things that we can provide and like that's interesting yeah and so I, honestly like we we sometimes just you know what we just knock on the door the kitchen door when they're not busy and we've never been say we've never been told hey go away right? yeah go away like 
you're trespassing or anything like that. So like that has a lot to do with the mentality of the the chefs here too. Like the whole like local, local yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's what's interesting to me about New Orleans is it's a f- actually a very friendly place for small businesses, mm-hmm. but n- without the kind of infrastructure that it sounds like you're starting to create. Mm-hmm. Like it is hard to find yeah. organic food, mm-hmm. um, or you know local. Um, not just produce, but, you know, local livestock mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And considering yeah. it's an agricultural state, mm-hmm. it was surprising. But it's also unsurprising that these chefs are so excited that you're doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's it's great to hear that they're able to kind of be part of this mm-hmm. new market. Yeah, I mean, so there's inf- infrastructure being built, like, I mean, on a small scale. Like, right now, we're, for our own cooperative, like, we're doing all the marketing. We're, all, we're doing all the collecting, and we're doing all the sales ourselves. But then there's, like... Um, Holly Grove or other farmers markets mm-hmm. where um, we have farmers growing produce from all over the state, Mississippi, like still really local and just bringing it all there and chefs know that they can go there. They can go to us. Um, there's all, even a um, Crescent City Farmers Market. Crescent City's well. Farmers Market. Mm-hmm. There's recently been a, um, an online produce uh, delivery system that's been set up too called Good Eggs, which we've recently joined. And there's a few other farmers like a CSA box or something. Uh, s- pretty similar, but they can actually order um, from a menu of items, and then we. D- oh, interesting. Yeah, so we d- can we can deliver right now. We deliver twice a week, but they, and we can give you the you guys the information. Uh, just go to goodeggs.com/nola, uh-huh. um, and then our uh, our farmers cooperative is called Veggie V E G G I, and so. You know, so we're doing the direct uh, sales. We're, we have the online thing right now, and we're trying to we're trying to do um, have our products in grocery stores pretty soon. And so, so that's we're uh, looking to expand the reach of our farmers' produce, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just being able to provide good quality produce local um, to New Orleans markets. That's that's what we're trying to do within the next year or so. Mm-hmm. And create jobs while you're at it. Yeah, definitely. And like like we said, uh, most of these people that are in our cooperative, they uh, either lost their jobs before the oil spill or they didn't. They weren't working. So. Um, but you also work with people who are not doing agricultural work as well, correct? Yeah. Um, so, most of the things, um, m- the main focus I'm doing right now is is the agricultural work. But I've done in the past, like we've we've had people um, that. Because a lot of people that come into our office, they don't have English speaking skills or anything like that, and so like, they're like if they all, if they want to open up a store or something like that, or they have, they run into issues with uh, permits, like um, I would help them. I mean, get I, that. I'm a fluent speaker, and going to city hall yeah. is scary for me. <laughs> it's so. it's kind of crazy. So I had this one guy who uh, is trying to open up a, a store. He used to have a convenience store before Katrina, but the storm messed it up, like destroyed it. He didn't open up for a while, and so like the kind of the zoning mm-hmm. rules changed for it, and so like he's been through this whole like two year process with hearings and things like that, and so I just try to help out with that. Um, Is that just focused on folks in the east or all over the city? Uh, mostly folks in our community, uh, mm-hmm. the Vietnamese community um, in Versailles. Yeah, and so another thing we we were doing was uh, we were helping some of the um fishermen like just make budgets and and, and forming uh performers uh, financial performers yeah things stuff. like that um right after the oil spill like or last year just because like there are programs available 
um, for them to kind of improve their their business and so we we're just trying to help them with that um, and uh, but yeah uh, for the most part uh, doing that kind of work also with um, and, and the farmers cooperative and I also work right now with a, a, a coalition of uh, of organizations that that MKVNCC is in um, that focuses on uh, language access uh-huh. uh, and that's that's why the whole thing about earlier with the city hall language access issues it's a big one so <laughs> we uh, I'm trying to work with uh, Vela I know, I know I'm pretty uh-huh. sure people mm-hmm. know about Vela um, Timmy Vo was on our show okay. not too long ago from Vela yeah uh-huh. so Vela a group called Puentes uh, Puentes mm-hmm. New Orleans uh, they do stuff with the Latino community correct yes yes and so I'm working with them and a few other groups to try to improve language access because you know it's there's maybe like there's over 10,000 Vietnamese people here and a a good number of that you know have language um, or limited English proficiency and so I mean I I feel like it's important to have you know have everyone included in the whole the dialogue yeah exactly and so bilingual access yeah Absolutely, and especially after Katrina, where we're seeing the populations mm-hmm. of the Latino community continue to grow, mm-hmm. and the Vietnamese community has been steadily growing. Yeah, um, it definitely makes sense. I mm-hmm. mean, it's great to s- start seeing it in a lot of these charter schools that mm-hmm. are bilingual. Yeah, um, if we could just get City Hall. Yeah, it's a it's a big. Uh, they can they can. Yeah. there's a lot of room for improvement they're, they're actually, in a lot of ways. There are actually. Um, a lot of good examples though like uh i've been looking up some examples like new york does it some mm-hmm. small cities in california mm-hmm. do it as well like they provide uh um just language access for for the community uh community for like languages that are most spoken in com- in, in the city so mm-hmm. so yeah it's a, it's a it's a big project for new orleans but we'll see how it goes yeah next year definitely well what's interesting is that in this in the neighborhood we're in right now central city Mm -hmm. i'm very much known for well the fact that there's three public housing projects here Mm -hmm. very much known as you know an african-american community but with a lot of vietnamese owned corner stores yeah a lot Mm -hmm. and i think it was interesting for a lot of people when me as a vietnamese american i decided to move here Mm -hmm. And I didn't just come in and out. But it was really interesting to me how familiar folks in the neighborhood were with all these, like, hardcore, mm-hmm. long-term, you know, not exactly bilingual Vietnamese people. Mm-hmm. And it, it's also, it's just, it's curious because, I mean, what you see is a lot of dependence on their children for mm-hmm. translation. Yeah. You know, and the kind of thing you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are functioning and operating yeah. corner stores, and they have been for mm-hmm. decades. You know, since '75. Yeah. You know, do you work around the sea with these small corner store owners as well? Um, not, not recently. Um, I'd say I've, I've worked with one or two uh, in the past, and uh, they've actually told me stories about uh, maybe like 20 years ago, 50. 25 years ago where um relations were like a lot more hostile than they are now like Mm -hmm. you know like back then people were coming in and there's a lot of um racism and discrimination i mean there's still kind of like tensions now but it's just 
I think I remember back. I remember hearing them say like back then, you know, people were carrying guns and had to use them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's always interesting. That's interesting to me too. The whole, you know, all these Vietnamese corner stores. I mean, I, I actually come up here sometimes for the wings, like Manchu. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna. <laughs> And it helps being Vietnamese. I mean, yeah. that place has a line out the door, and yeah. I clearly got a racial pass, and they took yeah. my order before like twenty other people. See, I mean, I try not to do that just because I feel like why? I don't just know. Go with it, Kai. I mean, we, <laughs> for so long we've had to live down our last name. No one can ever pronounce it. If it's gonna get you up, you know, a little closer to the wings, why would you turn that away? I don't know. I just I I feel like. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to feel. I don't want to them to feel like I'm. I'm like better than anyone. So you know, no, just, we're not. We're just let them get their wings. I get my wings, and it's my turn. You know, so there's a long line the is, at like, that. Place. I, call, I call ahead. I call ahead. So I don't. I make sure I call ahead, so I don't have to wait in line too long. So, um, I mean, I've definitely heard in that it's pretty common in the African American community to prefer the way Vietnamese people make po boys. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I know they've. I know um, there's a place called Adam Street Grocery um, right by Tulane, and uh, they serve really good boys, and it's always like a dollar or two cheaper than right. <laughs> any under, other place. So that's 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 the pla- that's that one everyone. of the main reasons why uh, I feel like um, people pre- maybe prefer or like rather go there. But yeah, I mean, I've we're everywhere, Kai. Yeah. <laughs> we are on the corner uh, of Broad and Washington. I've actually one of my one of my there's. Second Street, and I don't know Washington or not, but Second Street, maybe two or three blocks over, there's a. It's very close to here. A corner store. Uh, my a close family friend of mine owns that one. Uh, actually went to Vietnam for the first time, back to Vietnam for the first time with his family, uh, and and yeah, so like he's one of those families that has has the uh, grocery stores and. They cook really good food. (laughs) And that and second, the place you're talking about, I think it's second. It's on second and dryads. I think so. It's uh, it's like on the corner with it's either purple or blue or something. And Mm -hmm. and that location is where the Mardi Gras Indian. Yes. Yes. I remember remember that on Mardi Gras, which is like very like a lot of people who are born and raised here, you know, in a crew don't know this. Yeah. So I, I actually spent one of the first times I spent over night at that place uh, i was just hanging out because you know our families are close so i was just staying overnight um and actually the next morning was mardi gras and i come out and in front is just like mardi gras indians um like scores of yeah them, yeah right and in front of this vietnamese owned corner I, store I was, I was in high school at the time and i remember seeing one of my substitute teachers out there so it was pretty funny <laughs> to see that i remember I don't know why I, why I remember that right now, but were they masking? Was no, the no, no, no. He was just he was just watching along, but he was dancing to it. So that's that's one of the first times I remember. Like, man, <laughs> kind of traumatic like, to learn your second grade teacher is a human. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was just like, hey, older people can have fun too, I guess. <laughs> um, In Central City, they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I just I think it's it's a nice actually reputation Vietnamese people have for being mm-hmm. good business people in this city. Yeah. And so, I mean, just really entrepreneurial. One of those things that, um, like just going back to our farming project, I think if we didn't have that, that trait, I guess, mm-hmm. um, because we depend a lot on our farmers 
And so mm-hmm. just because of our, our farmers have the ingenuity, that, that uh, entrepreneurial sense, um, they're, they help us out a lot. Um, <clears throat> they actually, our aquaponics um, project, the, the, which is a part of the Urban Farmer Project, we had to build these aquaponic systems and um, these guys, these men and women, they actually built it themselves. Like we, we're, we kind of gave them some ideas like how, how it should be built. But then like when it comes down to building it and designing everything, it was basically all of them. Um, and so we're pretty lucky to have that kind of um, the, the farmers that we have because. The skill set. Yeah. The, the skill set is there. The passion is there. The, um, I guess gung ho ness is there. I guess the mm. enthusiasm. Yeah, there you go. That's the word. You know, and it's interesting too. I think you know. I I definitely stray away from like I try to stray away from racial stereotypes. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's definitely a stereotype of Vietnamese people being natural business people. Mm-hmm. And you know, I always thought, well, we're immigrants, mm-hmm. so. Of course, immigrants are a little more panicked yeah. about um, making a living. And so when a Vietnamese immigrant opens up a shop, it's pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. But you have, it sounds like you've spent a significant mm-hmm. amount of time in Vietnam as an adult too, mm-hmm. like for what, for work or travel. Well, most, mostly just like for travel, yeah. Right. But like months at a time, it sounds like. I'd say every time I've gone, I've spent about four weeks. Four weeks, right. Yeah make the plane ticket worth it right? yeah exactly uh, but one thing i was surprised is that there is a very strong entrepreneurial mm-hmm. uh and considering that it is you know currently and has been a communist country where there just wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of commerce and since 89 it's opened up and businesses are very operational mm-hmm. you know and so i don't know if it I, I don't think it's a racial thing but i definitely think it's a cultural thing. I think it's just something that they're, you know, not they, we are used to. It's you know? a norm for uh-huh. us, I guess, just like going to school. I don't actually think Asians are smarter. We're just more afraid <laughs> of our parents. And so yeah, we go to school exactly. <laughs> so we I think <laughs> end up being better at it because we're scared, yeah. you know? Going back to the businesses thing, though, like um, I'm sure you've been to um, Fuglet Call in California or yeah. in Westminster. Yeah, yeah, when it was first open. Yeah, and so like you have. So I went for the first time. Can you explain for our listeners what that is? So Fuglatal is like a huge like strip mall, not even a strip mall, like a huge area. Mini mall area. Yeah, yeah. and um, so I'm not just not just talking Fuglatal itself because that's a huge building where building where there's like four stories of stores or two, mm-hmm, two or three, two. and then there's like really in, in, in surrounding areas like malls and malls of, of Vietnamese stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mentioning that because. Um, pretty similarly, uh, one of the, the thoughts that I had was like, there were shops that, that were selling the same things, like really close. So like competition is kind of like, we're uh, not afraid of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so this was kind of like, and then when I went to Vietnam, this most recent time I was in Hanoi, which has streets and streets that are named after whatever is being sold there like um paper street yeah exactly and so i I think you know that's just something that i feel like non-vietnamese people aren't really like used to or you're you went to business school right Mm -hmm. so it's been a long time though (laughs) but like i mean i had to take some business courses Mm -hmm. and they're like it's called clustering i'm like oh yeah 
if that's like Vietnam, you yeah. know, where you have um, a bunch of people mm-hmm. providing the same product and it's mm-hmm. counterintuitive because you think, well, aren't they competition? But it's also mm-hmm. creating a magnet for yeah. consumers. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, I think your point about the old quarter in Hanoi is a very good point. Like yeah. culturally, that's like a really normal thing. Yeah. For as a Westerner, which I'm that too, I had to take a business course mm-hmm. to realize like it helps yeah. to be on the same street mm-hmm. with competitors but yeah definitely in certain yeah. cultures it's like a norm yeah so um, yeah i mean that was that was just something i was thinking about and uh but overall like i've every time i've been to vietnam uh i was actually born there but i've been back two three times and every time i've been back um i've had a pretty different experience each time but they're all been really good experiences mm-hmm. um so the first time i was back i was just 14 and I know I think it's probably tough actually huh going back when you're 14 well tough in that like I was I wasn't really eager to go right you're this 14 year old he's just like man I have some other stuff to do before over my summer you know so but um I just that first time I came back it was just me and my little sister and uh my family's actually never gone back all together before Mm -hmm. just because like it would cost like ten thousand dollars to get all of us over there, so we, we staggered it. So um, I went back with my little sister and, and another family, and we just stayed with uh, um, family that time. So we spent—I spent a whole month pretty much staying uh, with family outside of Saigon. Okay. And so, I mean, that was good. You know, that was that was like the first time I'd met a lot of my family members in ten years. Uh huh. And uh-huh. so. Probably first time I remember intense, them because yeah. like when I left I didn't really you're mm, a baby yeah um and then the second time it was me it was my siblings and I and so I have three siblings and so this time we spent like a week with family and then like the rest of the time we just traveled um and we actually rented a, a van and were able to go just visited like maybe 10 cities along the one highway in Vietnam from mm-hmm. north to south so it was that was really nice um and um yeah just being able to take in different cities different cultures uh my favorite city was uh hoi an which is in the middle of the city and it's kind of like heavy trade actually right i mean that it's a it's known for its export of its cloth yeah yeah and it's i well the main reason i like it was because like it seemed like it was really old and it was untouched by um, new developments. Even though it's like the you s- you walk around, and you see like tons of tourists. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> probably the most tourists uh, per capita in Vietnam, yeah. probably. Um, but because it just, it's so charming. Yeah, exactly. And um, at night, you know, there are lanterns and everything like that. So it's just like really like old school and really that was it was the most unique um experience uh, in vietnam for me and then like uh we just traveled farther north and uh went to hanoi and went to some uh, indigenous communities villages Sapa, yeah like Sapa, that. which surprisingly to me it was like in late may and in Sapa is like 40 degrees hey, or something like that cool, <laughs> it's right? quite and, cold and misty and uh i remember when we were in Sapa, we so my 
we were in a group, a big group of like a lot of tourists, and we we're basically the only like only Vietnamese group. Mm-hmm. And uh, so everyone broke off because they got everyone had tour got tour guides and everything like that. And so we got a tour guide. It was just me, my siblings, and I, and we got a tour guide. We, we signed up for the amateur level hike, but the, the Vietnamese guy saw that we were like Vietnamese, so he was like, "All right, I'll go. I'll, I'll I'll show you guys like the the really nice like." trail and everything like that it was definitely not an amateur hike so (laughs) (laughs) there are some dangerous dangerous uh places around there but uh we uh, were actually we actually had a really nice uh hike up the mountains uh had a really nice view and we had this one girl who from the villages um and so they i mean i'm sure not sure if the uh, listeners are familiar but um a lot of the young people in Vietnam or or poor young people in Vietnam like really really young they sell like lottery tickets at at, mm-hmm. at, at um mm-hmm. at cafes and stuff like that um but so at this uh village in uh, northern Vietnam uh with this young girl who's trying to sell us um bracelets that they had made mm-hmm. um and so you know we're just trying to say no 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 we don't need we don't need any bracelets or anything like that but um so this girl kept following us and then we actually went hiked for like two hours and this girl was following us the whole way <laughs> and she was she was doing it easily everything was <laughs> like climbing up no problem and we we're like oh man we're breathing heavily and everything like that circles around you yeah and so well she's used to it but actually by the t- by the time we uh ended uh she uh she earned her bracelet so we we're like well, let's <laughs> let's buy like three off of her she, Reward her for yeah definitely but uh it was it was really nice and i went back for the third time this past winter and my brother actually got married Mm -hmm. um this past winter that i think that brings us into our next the next segue i have it's called vietiquette where we talk about something about vietnamese culture that is maybe a little quirky Uh um and i would like to bring into context how i met you i mean really had a conversation with you was at a karaoke bar. Okay. And, and so if we could just, and you seemed like you knew the program, especially in NOLA East. And so maybe if you could share with our listeners the mystery as to why why do we like karaoke so much? I don't... I, I liked I, the food there. I I, the, the food is really good. <laughs> um, I think... Um, I don't know. I think it's people just like want to sing when they are going out and having a few drinks but i think um so where where i met regardless of whether they have skill they really want to i mean alcohol has a lot to do with that (laughs) (laughs) so um so yeah when where i met you was uh nha chang uh it's Mm -hmm. this little karaoke restaurant in uh new orleans east um i think the main draw like the reasons why uh we go there we as in like uh, MKB and CDC people or, or other people out there. It's just like the food, like you said, the, the food is really, really good. good. It's, it's, the food is like something that you don't really get in a lot of other restaurants here. Um, some some of the things that are served at Nha Chang are like um, sauteed goat, um, let's see, uh, chicken Chinese. fried in uh, fish sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the pigeon, that was so good. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's classic Vietnamese bar food. Yeah, exactly, and so that's that's kind of thing like that. Um, it's just the culture of nyau, which is <laughs> I don't even know what the English word for that is. Daniel, and Daniel talked a, a little bit about it. 
on yeah. on his show, his episode. We actually that's kind of one of the things that's one custom that I really like just like <laughs> being able to get together with your friends or family and then just drinking like a fish. Maybe not even <laughs> not even just the whole drinking part. I mean even though that's included but just, you know, eating the massive amounts of food. Yeah. yeah the socialization like, over food. Mm-hmm, and it definitely. doesn't have to be you know extravagant but mm-hmm. it's I, I like that too the snacking yeah. component the different yeah. you get a bunch of different dishes and you all snack and you all eat as a group and you also the whole custom of like hosting people like you know your host you take so much care in like providing like guests or any, anyone that comes to your house to eat or anything like that to make sure that they're getting you know your best basically mm-hmm. um so it's easy. Is it easier for us to do it over karaoke? Is that? Story? <laughs> I think. I don't know. Everyone sings. I feel like everyone sings. You know, you might sing in your shower. You might sing in your car by yourself. Um, and I think when you're in a group of your friends, or when you're in that kind of sense, you're like you're not afraid that they're gonna laugh at you or anything like that. So like you know, you know, you just wanna. But strangers will laugh at you like we did. The, the, the thing is, like, strangers will laugh at you, but then you're just thinking to yourself, I'm having a good time. Right. My friends are having a good time. <laughs> strangers are laughing at me because they wish they're having as good a time as I am. <laughs> Little do they know we are having a good time. <laughs> yeah, <laughing> exactly. <laughs> so, um, But, I mean, it's not like you go to Denmark and karaoke is huge there like it is for... Well, how do you know that? <laughs> I, I bet karaoke is pretty big in Denmark. Maybe. I mean, other... I guess I've been in other European countries where it didn't yeah. have that same really? okay. appeal. And it didn't have the same infrastructure where you have a bunch of good bar food mm-hmm. over karaoke like, yeah like you do in Vietnamese well, culture and well, i was gonna go on a whole thing about in- europeans eating really late but that's really irrelevant but <laughs> um i don't know it's just it's like an unsolved mystery perhaps yeah. an unsolved cultural mystery that we acknowledge well, the thing exists. is like it's not even vietnamese it's like chinese Asians, it's yeah. asian in general japanese. Like, hey it's a japanese word so um maybe it's just like Vietnamese people, or at least like back in the day in Vietnam, Vietnamese people didn't go out to like dance or anything like that. Like, so yeah. they just did like singing. We were singing instead. Yeah. So I'm just making things up, maybe, because, but that's just what my, I'm thinking. Actually, I mentioned this last week on our show. We had some musicians. They were mm-hmm. Caucasian Americans mm-hmm. based in Saigon, and they played like hillbilly bluegrass uh-huh. music. And we were talking about this on the show, and I was sharing that my Vietnamese teacher said, Caucasians like to dance Vietnamese people like to sing <laughs> well yeah okay and I thought that was interesting and who knows why who knows um, but it traumatized me for many years <laughs> until I can just sit back and yeah. laugh at it and enjoy the good food well that kind of ties up our show for today thank you for being on the show sharing your knowledge about not only Vietnamese entrepreneurship but also karaoke <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. Um, I don't know how much I've answered the karaoke question. But. <laughs> it's good. I think it's going to be an ongoing dialogue yeah. of the show. Well, tell, let me know if you find out ever. <laughs> maybe that'll be a segment. Yeah. Why is karaoke Maybe so Maybe popular? you should take the show on the road to a karaoke bar and actually ask. <laughs> and then I would get fired from every job I have right now <laughs> for, for the amount that you're forced to drink. You can just um, go and eat. This is true, which is what I always do. That's the only thing I do. So that's Vietnola for today. Thank you so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And a very special thanks to today's guest, Kai Nguyen. Our show is produced by Kim Vu, myself. 
and Grant Morris. Our technical director is Chris Keough. Our web guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Our theme song was written by Taylor Smith and performed by the Swamp Lilies. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Aeros Studio monitors, and much more. Visit www.presonus.com for more information. You can follow us on Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook. We are It's New Orleans, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Vietnamese shows on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True to the Game, and Midnight Menu Plus One. Keep up with all kinds of fun happenings here at Vietnola by getting on our mailing list. Sign up on our website, itsneworleans.com. Vietnola was recorded today in New Orleans. If you'd like to be a guest on Vietnola's show, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line. You'll find us. You'll find all the info on our website. Vietnola is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Kim Vu and everyone here at Vietnola, thanks so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you back here next week for our next episode of Vietnola. Until then, I'm Kim Vu. Bye now. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer, now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.